0: Pod BN. In this episode of PodBN Election Edition 2023, we talked to John Dannenberger, who is running for Ward 4. This is the first episode where we have a contested election. So I'm very glad that John made the time to come by and talk to us to hear what his motivations are and what he would like to accomplish in office. My co-host for this is Justin. Thank you to our sponsor, Little Beaver Brewery. Little Beaver has been with us since the very beginning. The founder, Chad Beaver, was one of our first guests back when we were trying just to figure out the logistics of recording things and putting them on the internet. They bought us our microphone set that we currently use. They also give us a recording space. It is remarkably hard to find a place to record or meet in this community, and it's especially hard to find a space that will give you free beer while you're there. Little Beaver supports us, so please come out and support them. A large, ever-changing beer menu, excellent food menu, helpful wait for staff. It's almost spring, also, so the patio is going to be open. Best patio in town, hands down. Come out to 5 Finance Drive to see what Little Beaver has to offer. Hey, John.
1: Hey. How you doing? I'm good. How thanks are you doing? Thanks for stopping by. It's good to be here. Cool. Big fans.
0: Yeah. So, let's start off. And tell us about yourself and your history in the community. Anything you want to share about your, uh, your personal background?
1: Sure, uh, I'm, I'm a kid of the 80s, born in 76, I'm a townie, uh, was raised over by College Hills Mall, um, graduated uh, from U-High in 1994, class of 94, um, ended up going to um, Chicago for most of my schooling, uh, met my now wife, uh, went to DePaul for undergrad, uh, Loyola for law school, um, spent some time at University of Chicago for grad school, so I kind of did kind of a Cafeteria style, um, hit all the colleges in Chicago for a while. Um, my wife and I lived in Berlin. We did some uh, extra schooling, uh, master's degrees in London. Lived in London for a couple years and uh, moved back to the States. Lived in Austin, Texas for a while, uh, back to Germany, and um, at some point put my resume up there and ended up back in my hometown where you can see uh from my from my office you can actually see uh where I was born so it's like I haven't really gone anywhere there's kind of like a <laughs> you know this kind of like reverberation of like I went and did a bunch of crazy stuff and I'm back where I started like literally where I started at State Farm so
0: so yeah, all over the world and then back to Bloomington I get that same question uh being a military kid people are like wait why do you live in central Illinois so what uh what, what brings you, other than the job, you know, why, why are you here in this community? What do you love about it that
1: brought you back here? Sure. Um, we had originally intended to move back to Austin, Texas, and had a house down there. And we were running kids uh, to swim lessons and basketball and piano lessons. And we spent a good 45 minutes to two hours every day in the car. And so it was one of those, uh, you know, come to Jesus moments that couples have, uh, sit around a dining room table with a nice glass of wine, and we said, all right, where do we want to live? Like, let's actually take a look at the map, see where we can go, and try to find the best community to raise our kids. Um, I had always talked about Bloomington. Um, Bloomington isn't that different than my wife's hometown in, in Germany. Um... In terms of demographics and having a university in the town, being a college town, um, having kind of the same population numbers. So uh, when I got the job off from State Farm, it was it uh, was very serious. And the first boss I had, Bill Graydon, was a real mensch, um, and it, I, I, it was someone I could work for, right? So and that wasn't always the case, and that doesn't always happen in someone's legal career where you end up in an in-house position where your first boss is uh, less corporate-y and more personal and more human. Um, so that, that was the, kind of the, that lit the fire to come back to Bloomington. Um, and then when you get here, as uh, most of your listeners probably know, this is an ideal place to raise children. We have a Constitution Trail that runs north south through the town. There's uh, plenty of time to, to coach, be on boards, um, help out, be on PTO, um, things like that. You're never longer than 10 minutes uh, anywhere in this town. So nothing's stressful, um, as long as you're planning it out and writing a calendar a month out or a week out, uh, you can get your kids where they need to be. And on top of that, it's safe. So uh, that was kind of the, uh, taking all those factors, doing a pro-con list of wherever we could end up. Bloomington really was ideal.
0: Okay.
2: cool.
1: So you're running for Ward 4. Uh, here's a, probably the best softball question you're gonna
2: get the entire campaign is, why are you running?
1: I am running because I feel that Ward 4 residents deserve someone who reflects Ward 4 values. And after living there uh, for six years, um, uh, and I should say that we targeted Ward 4, when we moved back to town, we lived with my folks for a while to make sure that we could find a house in Ward 4. Um, Due to the proximity to downtown and uptown, due to the proximity to the Constitution Trail, being able to walk to Greentop Grocery, if we want to, weather permitting. Um, just being kind of centrally located, and being able to um, have a historic house that we can put some love in, put some put some money in, and um, which is better, I think, for the environment. Um, so it kind of supported all of our personally held values. So why I'm running for Ward Four is that I think Ward 4 needs to be represented by someone who who reflects those values of historic preservation and uh, wanting to be a uh, part of a community, a neighborhood. And that's one thing that you'll always hear, whether you're in White Place Historic District or you're in Founders Grove, South Founders, or Jefferson Davis Historic District. All of, basically every resident that you that comes to the door to talk to you while canvassing is just so proud of Ward 4 because we still have neighborhoods. They know their neighbors, they know their names, um, and so that's why I'm running. I want to make sure that Ward 4 is always represented by someone who uh, exhibits those values.
2: You, you talked
1: about community,
2: and I think you have a reputation of being a community guy. What are some of the things you've done prior to you know,
1: deciding to run that you were, that would involve you in the community, in your neighborhood, and that type of thing. Sure. Um, So when I moved back to town um, and ended up on White Place, um, I had taken over for John Pryor and Hannah Eisner, and they were very active in in the White Place neighborhood. So it was expected when I purchased the house that I would continue the tradition of the chili cook-off. That's fine. And so from week one, we were doing a chili cook-off, and the neighbors were coming. So it kind of started as uh, kind of a dedication to the neighborhood. Um, and then, uh, as you both know, in this town, if you raise your hand and say you're interested in something or you wanna help in something, you're gonna get tasked and you're gonna be invited to join, join boards. So I think the first couple boards that I, that I joined uh, were both Milestones Early Learning Center, um, which is on Six Points Road, uh, south, south end of town, And uh, the Illinois Shakespeare Festival Board, which is uh, near and dear to my heart, and I could go on and on about it, Um, and always has been. I've I've been been an attendee for uh, the Illinois Shakespeare Festival uh, most of my life, um, and I uh, champion their causes every chance I get. In addition to that, I've uh, been a part of uh, Rotary Normal um, and Pony Baseball. Um, And as you both know, and I've learned so much from uh, serving with uh, both of you on Planning Commission, City of Bloomington, and that came about just uh, trying to email uh, at that time Mayor uh, Terry Renner and Carlo Robustelli and a few others about, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And they're like, okay, this guy's either going to be really annoying if we don't (laughs) give him something to do, um, or we should just put him on Planning Commission. So they opted for the latter, and I ended up on Planning Commission learning so much from you two. So... Those are a few of the things I've done in the community. Um, Other things that are um, not as official uh, that I take probably just as much pride in, is kind of running the White Place Street Fest. Um, that's a lot of fun, and uh, it was kind of modeled after uh, the Founders Grove Street Fest, um, so that we could have some music, and not just music, but uh, you know, invite the mayors. Both mayors are, have always attended. Um, uh, the chief of police this year came, um, and just give people a chance to meet the leaders in the community. Uh, they get to introduce some of the bands. They get to meet leaders in the community in kind of a more casual setting, over you know a, a burger and a beer and some live music so i'm i'm proud to say that uh you know, come february march april every year we start getting pinged by bands already and the food trucks want to know if they're going to get an invite to come to our street pass. And i know founders grove has the same thing yeah so little things like that
2: it's pretty cool so you had uh you ran through all the places you've lived and worked and I left out Vienna. I was in Vienna for six months. All right. (laughs) Which which gives you a a good perspective that often people from this community may not have. So how has that shaped some of your uh, views of what, you know, the city of Bloomington can become if you
1: were elected council? How has that kind of shaped that for you? Sure. A lot of it's transportation-based, Justin. Like, a lot of it is... Having lived in Europe and in England for a while, um, you see how supported their public transportation is. So, uh, and that's look, that's you know, that's buses. That's more kind of locally and also uh, small regional, like in Germany, where they have small train systems that go to you know the small counties and countries, and then the you know the nationwide train system. So it's it's not just buses or trains; it's all of it. Um, And I think that's what you see first. Like, hey, I can get to Hamburg or Berlin in two hours. I don't have to uh, be in a car at all, worry about parking or any of that. And you can bike to the train station. Right, exactly. So there's things like that that you just notice when you live over there that you think, okay, what are we doing wrong? What What can we do better? Um, again, we have had we have more space, um, and we're used to that. Um, we love our cars. So do the Germans. So there's a way to kind of find a mix of maybe trying to get Connect Transit beefed up and supported a little more in this community. Um, and then obviously our train system uh, needs a lot of help. So I think most of the things that I take, at least from a city planning perspective uh, from Europe, have to do with, Uh, parking spots, why do we have so many Uh, bike lanes, why do we not have enough, or where should they be when we do put them in um, and, you know, getting our bus system used and supported by the community. Um, things like that.
2: So, so a lot of those things that you mentioned, I think, have been talked about for a while. Actually, I was joking with someone uh, the other day that was running for office uh, or thinking about running for office in the future, and I said, you know, I just get tired of every election cycle talking about the exact same issues in the city of Bloomington every time. Um, so what what's going to change, you know, in the next four, eight years? from what we created in the comp plan you know uh, however long ago it was um, what's going to change because it does seem like it's the same issues every time Connect transit's always talked about Uh, bike lanes I mean we have a a bicycle master plan and a complete streets plan that I don't think council has seen since 2018, 2019 Um, that's been an update from them so what's going to change and what
1: can you bring when you get on council to make sure those kind of things move along a little faster yeah I'd like to uh, uh, I'd like to pick up on this because this is a great topic and it's one that's so relevant I had met with uh, leaders over at IWU about their Main Street revitalization program or ideas and project and the innovation hub. And immediately I started thinking, Uptown Normal and ISU have done an amazing job of gluing the campus to Uptown. Uh, in the 90s, you didn't see it. You, you, you might see a, tr- a stray student coming and going from Pub 2 or something, but there wasn't this glue, there wasn't a, a, a shared concept or design. So um, I can't speak to all of the uh, projects uh, on Streetscape or Complete Streets or bike lanes that have been p- a past-proved and then shelved. I, 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 I don't know them all. But what I do know is that there's some easy, there's some easy wins. Um, and one is for the city and for IWU to sit down and start talking like, hey, how can we get students to downtown commerce? And that should be easy, right? You, go, you do a Titan shuttle that starts at center and just runs in a triangle back to campus yeah so it goes da- to downtown around the square and back so you get you get students and anybody anybody from the neighborhood right sure. i don't mean to just you know say iwu students are the ones that are you know not taking advantage of downtown we all could be taking better advantage of downtown um, but if you have a shuttle and the streetscape sign, on the other hand, while IWU is running a shuttle going into downtown, downtown is sharing its design for streetscape until it goes to campus. So you, over time, over like four, those four ugly blocks, <laughs> you start developing a, a shared look, a shared appearance. Uh, Connect Transit could have shelters, two or, you know, two or three shelters of the same color. And so you start to like, formulate a culture between those two places all along the core. You know, yeah, now, right down the corridor of, of Bloomington. Now your vision planning, which I love, um,
2: <laughs> but because I, I see things like the the you know library, Bloomington Library, and what they're doing, uh, which is looking amazing, and I'm excited to see when that's done. Uh, and then like the, uh, but then we have the blank Electrolux spot, right? Like the Electrolux spot that's just sitting there, which would be a great space to connect something there from downtown to Wesleyan. Um, I think we need some sort of pedestrian. Crossing over Main um, to make that happen too, right? You talk about transportation, and it's great if you could take uh, a bus or, or a quick shuttle. Uh, but we, the, what makes ISU so great too is the walkability. Right. So, so to be able to walk from from your house on from your home on campus to downtown is important too. And then we're talking about. A solution that's probably going to cost a lot of money. And that's going to scare a lot of people, right? So, um, but it's still fun to think about. Like, yeah. it's fun to think about. Oh, wait, where we we got to think? We got to think about Ground Zero before we can think about what it's going to look like. Uh, you know, 10, 20 years from now. So maybe an overpass over Main Street's not something that's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, but still, to put that idea out there to make it more friendly at least gives us something to shoot for, right? Yeah, at least to slow Main
0: Street down
2: and
0: <clears throat> give it a road diet, right? So it's not a. You're not playing Frogger to get across it at a minimum. And
1: and if you're using the trail a lot and you're going to downtown a lot, you do know that headed south on the trail, you can get to Grove and and head east fairly easily or use the Washington bike lane. Um, Heading into downtown from the trail is a strange, you know, choose-your-own-adventure. How you're going to zigzag yeah, in, yeah. Um, and some are safe and some are not. But to have a dedicated, you know, head west into downtown from the bike trail, yes, yeah. amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so, what so do you think that is about white place where you live that make that fosters that community? What what is um, what, like, when you look at the design of that road, of that neighborhood, what, what do you think brings that out in the community where it might not exist
1: in other places? To be, the, the simple answer, the real simple answer, is front porches. Yeah. Like, once the weather is nice, uh, Friday 5 o'clock becomes porch sit, and uh, there's five or six uh, homes that are kind of open and you can walk down the street uh, from your house, and it's kind of a movable party. Um, everybody has each other's keys, so when they're out, uh, out of town, we can you know, take care of plants and pets. Um, so I think it's really a simple architectural fix to a lot of this, and it's called the front porch. Um, <laughs> that and I think, just where it is located and the love that some of these houses need attracts a certain kind of person, and they all kind of share that. Like we know what we're getting into when we buy these houses that were built in 1907, 1909, 1912. We know that there's going to be stuff and surprises uh, in the basement and in the attic and yeah. in the walls. So I think that there's just you know that, that you have to be you have to be up for a level of adventure, and that's that kind of. Typecast certain families or couples or whatever. Um, yeah. Luckily, White Place the last five or six years has attracted new families. So, uh, and some of the older residents up and down White Place have um, commented numerous times that the, the, the city uh, or the the street back in the eighties and nineties there was a lot of kids, and there seemed to be a couple decades of a lull. Um, and now it's back. It's loud. That's cool. uh, the, the back doors are being slammed by any number of uh, neighborhood kids at all times. So that's a good thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So what are the big issues specific to Ward 4? Like I,
2: I have a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about in the city, <laughs> but like I really wanted you to get the opportunity to talk to you, your, your future constituents if i like What's the things that Ward 4 needs that you can help bring?
1: Yeah. So when I started this, I, I did a tu- I did I took a self tour um, of Ward Four, and I had my own list, and it included the invisible infrastructure underneath the homes because of uh, every time we get two or three days of just light to middle uh, medium uh, rain, some precipitation, we have uh standing water in the basements um when june 2021 came and we had kind of this what they're calling the 100 year floods um yeah we had we had water up and down downtown founders grove white place pretty much the entire ward had horror stories of water in the basement so i think my number one issue is always until we get it fixed uh the infrastructure that we don't see uh the sewers um are piping from the house It's crumbling, it's clay, it hasn't been touched. When I started digging around and meeting with uh, community leaders to find out when the last time it was on the real to-do list, I found out that was 1992. That was the last kind of conceptualized, comprehensive, hey, here's our plan, this is when we're gonna tackle this. And it lasted for a couple of years and then fizzled out. Right now, we're seeing, as you guys know, the pat, kind of the patch, the whack-a-mole uh, plan, where something has to hit emergency level. They go down, they fix it, they pave over it, and then three doors down, it happens a few weeks later, and they do it there, and they're just kind of playing whack-a-mole, which is not—it's um, not sustainable economically, and it's—it's it's not. Uh, it, at the end of the day, you're going to have um, – you're going to be digging this stuff up 18 months later anyway and fixing it for real and then paving it or or, or throwing gravel, then pave, or wh- however they decide to fix it. So I still think the number one issue for White Place, for, for Founders Grove, for Jefferson Davis, for most of Ward 4, is what's underneath our homes, and that needs to be done. But a close second, a close second, and this is the one everybody hears, is the roads, the roads, yeah. the roads. Um, but to do the roads before that would be kind of silly, right? I think it's very silly. And I, and I don't want to get too uh, uh, myopic about the roads, because after you actually knock on doors in Ward 4, you find out pretty quick that Clinton's been redone, Grove has been be- redone, Washington's been redone. In terms of, like, just straight pavement, it's really not that bad. Um, there's some potholes, and there's some issues. But really where the, the, the real pavement issues lie in Ward 4 are the crumbling curbs around our national landmark, uh, the David Davis Mansion. And those neighbors are, uh, you know, for good reason, pretty upset about it because over time they've watched their pretty shallow curb crumble into what is now the front yard slash street and they like just simple curves before you can, say, repave the streets. They want yeah. their curb back. Um, as you guys know, in Founders Grove, we have sidewalks that just end, <sighs> you know? And if you got kids, or a roll, or a dog, or, or, or you just have ambulatory mobile issues, um, we have that in new neighborhoods, too. Just <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> right.
2: <Yeah. laughs> we do. I mean, that's an issue that I've, I, mean, I always talk about is I hate seeing just sidewalks end in the middle of nowhere. Right. Uh, I
0: remember in, uh, as a child growing up in the Netherlands, the Shell Silverstein book, Where the Sidewalk Ends. I thought that was hilarious, the idea that a sidewalk would end. And then I moved here, and I was like, oh, that actually happens. Right. Like, yeah, what's up?
1: Right. So I, I don't want to get, on, on the second issue, on the roads and, and asphalting and pavement, I don't want to get too... Um, uh, narrow about that. I know that they what Ward 4 has, it's not just roads. It's not just roads. And then the third one, I think, boils down to either communication or um, or just having a real calendar that is stuck to you. We have serious waste debris pickup in Ward 4 because we have the root systems, we have the large plants, we have the large leaves, the lot, large branches. And so when you're asking families to take you know, three or four hours out of their Saturday to get that stuff piled up, get that stuff cleaned up, and then they don't come, um, it creates safety issues in the alleyways. It creates kind of morale issues for a neighborhood. And I also think it's, again, I keep, I keep kind of hammering this point, I think this is an easy win. I think we're all kind of Midwesterners, and as long as we get some communication from the city saying, hey, we're backed up a week or we're backed up two weeks, then we can plan accordingly, and we're cool. Yeah. We just want to know. We just want some, and, and in a day and age with social media, smartphones, alerts, all these things, this just seems like something we can get done fairly easily.
0: But before all the leaves get blown back into your <laughs> yard, right? right. Yeah. Uh,
1: and, and again, this, I, I, I may not have the track record in Bloomington, at least in the modern era, to speak to this fully. I do know that in White Place, I've been there for six years. The first year, it seemed like they were uh, picking up debris. It seemed like once a month, maybe even more. Last year, it was one time, and that was worldwide. Every every person that I've met come to their like they only came one time. Like, okay, we're White Place isn't alone. Yeah, you know, founders yeah. had the same kind of relationship with city works, and you know.
0: As far as I could tell, Eastgate only got our leaves picked up once. Right, but I wouldn't. Swear to
1: that, it could be wrong, but they definitely perception. have more of a need.
2: I mean, uh, like Ward Four, Ward Six, some of those more older neighborhoods have larger trees, like, like that yeah. kind of stuff.
1: You're gonna have a bigger need. Any windstorm now in White Place, we get branches yeah. that'll that'll do damage to your house. Yeah, you know, and, and it takes a few guys to come out and like help help a big branch off a house or a garage or something. So and and those aren't. Thunderstorms aren't really thunderstorms or tornadoes. That's just that's just kind of a windstorm. You know, your average Illinois windstorm. Now, when
2: you talk about infrastructure and city services like that, that I like that. But none of those topics are sexy. right? No. So, no. 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 So, so how do you get voters excited on the campaign when you're <laughs> as you're talking to them? Because I mean, if they had a certain instance where they have a lot of leaves pile up, obviously they're excited about it, right? But what about those those that are not How do you make that? How do
1: you get them out to vote? Because it's such a low turnout election, anyway. It is. Um, I start. I don't start with you. Don't open with that, right? <laughs> Let me talk to you about sewers. Yeah. No. yeah, sewers are much much hotter topic. No, you just have to remind them that I think I think attaching it to a more um, contemporary topic like the floods of 2021 because that's fresh in everybody's mind and that affected almost everybody in the ward. So when you open with that and then go, well, to be honest with you, we've had these issues for a while and you've probably had standing water, have you? Oh yeah. Yeah, remember that? And then five, 10 years ago, eight years ago, six years ago, so they can remember that. And the other thing is what they're seeing in other communities that haven't addressed this problem, uh, yeah. in Ohio and Michigan, uh, are facing some serious costs now um, and abandoned neighborhoods. Um, that can kind of, I, and I don't mean to scare anyone at the door when you're canvassing. Sure. But if you can, if you can say, well, you know, if we if we don't fix it, here, here's kind of the future scape. This is going to be the future state for us. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of reminds them this is a, an important topic.
0: So, why do you? Uh, what's your view of how we got to where we are with uh, the funding of Ward 4 falling so behind on things?
1: Yeah, that that's again, that's probably. That's probably before my time. I've tried to meet uh, with my predecessors, both Amelia Burgess and Julia Emig, to ask, you know, how how did we get to a point where stuff's only been picked up once? Or what was it like when you, uh, you know, were the alder woman of Ward 4? Um, And I I don't know. I can't. There's no kind of connective tissue that you're like, well, this year, then this person was elected, or money went here instead. Or there doesn't seem to be any, like, Hard and fast concrete answer like this. This is a timestamp where things went pear shaped.
0: Yeah, I was thinking of the uh, like funding of the sewers and you know where uh, money's been going out to different areas of the city instead of coming in to fund these types of things.
1: So that I mean, just having moved here in like 2016. It's that's kind of the, the, the answer I kind of come up with in my head, but I'm filling in my own blanks or just talking to people, and they kind of seem to say the same thing. But I can't yeah. I can't tell I can't point to an instance Ooh. like, well, remember when that got funded and we didn't, or remember when this project was done, because yeah. um, I don't know.
0: It was growing a lot when you were a kid, though, right? I'm sure you remember that. of...
1: Sure. In the '80s and '90s, there was a lot of expansion going on. When I was my son's age, the edge of town, headed east, was Jumers. Jumers Chateau was like this shining castle, like that we could ride our bikes to, because you used to be able to ride your bikes underneath the kind of the sewer. Uh, overpass. You used to be able to do this. Uh, it was like an '80s movie, and we used to do it all the time. And uh, we used to ride the Jumers and no
0: you know, evil what? clowns down there.
1: No, well, who knows? Yeah. I, I made it out, <laughs> um, but I remember, you know, Hawthorne being built and uh, all those neighborhoods headed east down College Avenue uh, being built. Um, and my friends lived there. I, you know, I still stayed in what I guess is called Pleasant Hills, but this is, this is before everything had a, a gate and a name. So it was just Pleasant Hills. Um, so, and my folks are, honestly, my folks still live in the house that I grew up in. Um, so yeah, I, I remember uh, how fast it grew. I remember Mitsubishi coming, uh, and I remember having um, students come to our elementary school and mm-hmm. have to put up with our math skills. Um, <laughs> uh, I remember that very well. Uh, I, I was uh, we had we had a family stay with us for a while, the Asano's, and we'd walk with Koji, and you could just see his eyes rolling when the math class started because you know they were well ahead of us <laughs> in certain <laughs> fields. Right.
2: So. The- broaden that now what are the issues to the city of Bloomington as a whole what are those top issues that you know that you're going to probably have to tackle if you got elected uh, in the next four years
1: yeah I think uh, number one obviously for me is the revitalization of downtown I think we need to do something about downtown. I think Board 6 has some serious issues and some like, real decisions to make. Um, I mean, the topics everybody knows, like the arena or the Market Street uh, parking garage, those are two biggies that need to kind of be addressed. I still think there's probably, uh, based on uh, the, last, uh, the last word on the library expansion, there's gonna be some final bond amounts and donor amounts trickling in from that. And there might even be some, um, some, some figure that the city still might have to... Until that thing's done, I'd, I'm not going to count that out. So um, I guess uh, now that I'm halfway through this answer, I'll say the Bloomington Library expansion is probably the number one thing because I think one thing that uh, hasn't been done, um, maybe maybe in a while, is uh, uh, stick to the plan. Uh, be able to market off the to-do list, like for real. And I think until we get that kind of mindset, like, hey, we agreed to do this. We agreed to, this is the plan we approved. And no matter who's sitting on the city council, or names change and people change titles, let's stick to the plan. So let's go with Bloomington Library expansion. Let's get that done. No matter who wins these um, the elections here this spring, let's stick to that plan. If there's an extra, uh, if there's any kind of outstanding figure that we have to come up with on bonds, uh, grants, and donors, let's get that done. And then I think, um, obviously, uh, Market Street, Parking garage. Um, let's not kick that can to the next city council. Uh, you know, I, it's it's almost it's almost painful to watch them have to vote on that. Um, and uh, <laughs> they're all trying to do the right thing, um, but they need to figure it out. Uh, attached to all of this, even the arena, which I think honestly I still think the arena can be a success story, um, and I'm hoping it will. Uh, when it was built, obviously they didn't you know, they didn't want it. it went to a referendum, it came back, it got done. It was criminally mismanaged it's kind of a mess. It's kind of become an albatross for the city.
2: Yeah. It was compromised to a disaster point.
1: I mean, that's what, that, <laughs> that's what right. the arena was. Yeah. Right. But I think, I think what I'm seeing, uh, or what I'm hearing, anyway, uh, of the future uses, uh, the graduate, the IHSA events, the graduation mm-hmm. ceremonies, um, uh, other sporting events. I'm glad to hear you say that. I just, real quick, sorry yeah. to interrupt, but
2: yeah. like, I, I hear a lot that there's never anything at the arena and I have to point out it's just the stuff that you're not going to is still happening at the arena right <laughs> I mean because there's a ton of IHSA events that happen right. there community uh, the events shooter. right yeah the, the CBB just released their uh, annual report that shows all the stuff that, and the economic impact that it had uh, for that so just for listeners if you, yeah. if you haven't yeah. looked at that take a look at it there's a lot going on there just not a lot of concerts and things that right. like the general public are probably going to go to
0: it's easier to justify a public expense if there's more of those Community-centric activities and the, the public good, right? You can get get a little more comfortable putting money into it. Where
1: yeah, if I'll, it's just
0: going to really be a concert hall, it's a little little tougher sell for sure. segment, right? And, and, so. and
1: I think that I think to your point, I, Justin, I, I think. This is one of those issues where, like, there's solutions, like, right in front of our face. And maybe that's why we're not seeing them because they're just right there. Right. I think uh, once they decided that uh, the Corn Belters uh, Stadium wasn't the best place for Brewbill, as the data showed, they brought it back downtown, I think you can stage or host part of it right there at the arena, right? Make that a, make that where you get your tickets and your glass or your whatever, and then, and then go down to the square and make it square and arena yeah. and make it that. Hey, hey, yeah. Attached to that, there's um, I often go up to the suburbs to 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 record shows or comic book store uh, shows, conventions of that sort, and they're all done at a place that looks a lot like the arena. Right. So you could do these smaller uh, convention style things. I think attached to that, though, what you get into is what is kind of this you know the elephant in the room for Bloomington is where's the hotel? Right. Where's the hotel? Which is part of that compromise to death, right? It was right. always supposed to have a hotel. Right. Uh, and when there's not a place for conventions and people to stay, it's, it, it was doomed to fail. Right. So I've, I was I was kind of brainstorming on the arena issue a couple weeks ago because that's I think what we all do, right? <laughs> we yeah. think about how can we make this thing work. And Bloomington Gold coming back last year to uh, to ISU, ISU campus area, I'm thinking, well. This is easy. You do an arena to arena, the Corvette parade, and it, yeah. you know, and then you stage part of it over here. And where's that hotel? Oh, that's right. We don't have one down there, so it's still normal focus. And I think a hotel at some point in downtown Bloomington. Um, so it's gonna have to be addressed. So going along with that, a lot of the
2: area that was thought about of that is currently abandoned buildings. So they've talked about eminent domain for a long time and never really pulled the trigger on it. Um, where do you feel on some of those and those abandoned building issues that we have downtown? Because that's a big part of our, our uh, hurdle that we have to overcome for some economic development to happen.
1: Yeah, I, I've seen, you know, along Randolph, obviously is one street that you see a few of those buildings. Um, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a question for the city lawyers to come to us and say, hey, eminent domain kicks in at this year or this point. Um, so let's now flex that city right. Because even
2: from the time you, kick, you decide that that's the way to go, you're looking at five to ten years before everything's sure. really probably done sure. with it anyway. Sure. And, and, and that's I mean, the
1: frustrating part is we just know it's so far away now. Right. And maybe that's why, uh, you know, that's the solution for the short term is the state farm building. Yeah. Right? Maybe. maybe you know, I don't know. But that's the other before i meant before i got done talking about the market street parking garage that that third one before the arena is the state farm bank building right so maybe the hotel goes there i've heard i've heard horror stories of what's in the building i've heard good stories of what's in the building i don't know it's been about 20 years since i was up and down that elevator so
0: any uh any thoughts on opportunities for the mall that come up at all as you talk to people is
1: that in four? Any- it's not in four. It's not, okay. Um, I, 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 and as an 80s kid, I'd love to see a thriving mall or, um, uh, come back. You know, like, I, I don't, I mean, it's it's never going to be Oak Brook, right? It's never going to be, like, an indoor-outdoor-type mall, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, not to say that. I you know it's
0: private. I'm just saying uh, right. it's something that comes up for council members, so just wondered if you'd.
1: No, it's, you know, yeah. luckily I, it's not in Ward Four, and I haven't really thought about it other okay. than I kind of miss um, having an indoor mall. Considering we could have six to seven months in this area of the world, that's pretty rough to get outside. Um, yeah, also, you know, th- sorry, I, I, but like it, it is a big issue though because if you Google to
2: Normal, like abandoned mall comes up as one of the top searches. <laughs> and, and that's not good for bringing in, you know, new people to our community either. Mm-hmm. And it's a, one of probably the best real estate that we have in the Twin Cities. I mean, you're on the corner of two major highways, um, right by, right next to the airport. Like, you, you can't get a better real estate spot, and it's empty. Um, you know, I mean, Outback Steakhouse, the most happening things, that's happening over there, right? Like, yeah. it's. Uh, so it is. A, it is a big issue. I know it's like to Tyson's point. It's private. There's only so much we can do. Uh, but I think there can be some some big pressure put on it, and there may be. I don't know. I don't know what the city staff is doing. But no. it's certainly frustrating the level of information
1: we have coming out of that over the last five years or so. Yeah. Well, I think it's also, you know, not to give them an out, but right, the things that were in the mall are the same industries that are being sure. nailed, you know, everywhere. Right, anchor stores aren't. a thing anymore you can get everything online delivery is fast no one goes out Um, so yeah some people are gonna have to get creative on that and i and i love that you brought up that it's prime real estate because it's that and Ward Four has our own mall issue and that's the old post office that used to be the eagle Mm. grocery store right and as you said prime real estate for ward four tawanda in nine yeah are you kidding me you know across from two thriving churches in ewing manor and surrounded and kind of sandwiched by residential space, uh, that's a that's a that needs to be something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I know since Hartland left there, it's really like over across the street. It's been. Right. Yeah. That side of the Tuanda Plaza, though, is at least full. Yeah. Like, you know, they're specialized stores, and they seem to be doing okay. Yeah. Um, That larger, uh, what used to be a grocery store and a post office, so it could be something larger scale than, say, Red Wings or a sewing place or those those beautiful little stores that specialize in one thing. Um, That could be a Trader Joe's. Yeah. That could, you know. And I know that's the one that everyone. The fact that we we don't have,
0: yeah. The fact that we don't have a Trader Joe's (laughs) is. seems like a and a white castle well then like I, opposite ends of the spectrum the, those no, are the two i feel thrill like your should,
1: listeners by letting them you know that it. i took pictures of the building and sent it to trader Joe's from that like <laughs> request <laughs> to store yeah <laughs> uh, link they have that's great and i've and done it a couple times now and they i, I do get the templated response see what, see what but, <laughs> yeah, i'm on them They're, i'm on their radar that's yeah.
0: funny so uh being a candidate is tough let's, let's switch maybe to what you what's going on right now um what's a uh, What's the experience been like for you and what have you learned through the last few months when you've been doing this?
1: I've learned that the people of Ward 4 are generally incredible. Like, they come to the door, they all uh, want to talk, um, and they all have issues, they all have stuff on their minds, so that's great. Um, the downside, probably for me as a candidate, to get kind of in the, in the weeds here, is that Ward 4, do the redistricting, has kind of two different sides to it. We have that old core Ward 4, which was White Place and Jefferson Davis and Founders and South Founders, and now it's kind of broadened to east. So uh, we have uh, Fleetwood. We have, I guess, what's called Fairway Hills. We have Pinebox and East Cape. So we have these four n- newer neighborhoods toward four um, and they bring, they bring different challenges, right? Because the streets are normally okay. Um, I know in Fleetwood they have some curb issues, but the roads are fine. Um, they have some standing water issues, but only at the bottom of the hill. So it's not this widespread thing shared with the whole neighborhood, right? So I think that's part is putting on different, um, different hats when you knock on those doors to be able to emphasize the things that they're going through. And being cognizant of that and that they're different, they're sometimes at different stages of their life, right? Yeah. For instance, in Fleetwood, there's a lot of people, I think, that have that are snowbirds. Um, it just seems to be the case, and I've also heard that. So you can go a street and not get anyone to the door, and it gets pretty deflating. We're <laughs> yeah. or, or, or canvassing uh, in the winter, and you have your coat on, and you have your pamphlets, and you have your brochures, and you're kind of trudging through, and it's it's pretty cold. And, and, and to go a street without uh, anyone coming to the door can get kind of... Uh, Depressing. Yeah, but um,
0: yeah, it's interesting you say that those different needs because um, I'm in Eastgate. Like I think I said it on here. Um, we were in Ward Eight before, so we were lumped in with the brand new construction <laughs> out east. So then it's like, what are the need? We were with the uh, the Grove out there, right? So I always felt like our needs were not reflected by the majority of our ward. We got put in Ward Four. I I thought that was a great idea because our needs are more similar, but we were built in the 70s, right? right? So we're not talking about the old historic homes like you have, it's just it's this thing in the middle. The Olive Street that I live on is pretty rough, really needs some attention. Yeah. Um, but not to the degree that like some of your older, yeah. four areas have, we don't have brick streets, like. We definitely not what Ward 6 is going on over there so it's uh, yeah we're this interesting transitional zone like between Mercer and Veterans is, uh, is a weird place to be it is
1: <laughs> and, and I mean I, not this. I hope I didn't sound like negative about having those new neighborhoods. No, I no. Excited. I just. I think you know, it was like, insightful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I walk from White Place down through Ewing Manor all the time, so I'm in Fleetwood all the time. Um, I'm, I go back through Pine Box sometimes. So when I saw the redistricting map before I was a candidate, anyway, I was <laughs> excited. I was like, that makes sense because I think Veterans is kind of a a geographic border, and it made more sense for. Uh, Eastgate to be in award on this side. Yeah. So that I mean it just made yeah. logical sense. Um, and yeah, you do have different issues in the new developments for sure. So, uh, we're happy to have you. I don't I don't well, thanks. Uh,
0: <laughs> No, no, I think I just think it I was just trying to emphasize. That I think you're picking up on a reality that there are some different needs, and you, you, even within such a small area as a
1: ward, you still have some distinctions there, right? So. I, yeah, it's funny you say small because when you're finally looking at the map, and I <laughs> think when you're walking doors, it doesn't yeah. feel small, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and when they're like, when I was trying to figure out, and, and talk, I think I talked to both of you, I talked to Jeremy, I talked to a bunch of people uh, before I'm finally agreeing to do this, right? Uh, they're like, wait, well, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's just a ward. It's not like a county. It's not. Like town, you'll be fine. And then when I made the goal to knock on every door twice, I realized that that's insane. Yeah, it's like, not gonna you know, They were right, I was wrong. <laughs> I get it, you know, but I have knocked on every door once. I probably won't get to all of them twice. Um, but yeah, my math, I'm like, oh, I can do that. I know this. I'm from here. And then you start doing it mm-hmm. and you start having the 45 minute talks with someone because it's, you're having a great conversation, you know, mm-hmm. with someone that really is invested in the town. And, um, and that, that's another thing I should probably pick up on. It's similar with Ward 4, and that's throughout Eastgate to Fleetwood to Pinebach to all of our neighborhoods. I've met these, what I'm just calling captains. They come to the door, they seem to know everybody in the neighborhood uh, and they, they probably will never run for office. They, they think But if you have a question about Fleetwood, I know who to go to now because I've been in that neighborhood a few times. Uh, Jefferson Davis, I know two people that I can always go to because they're kind of like taking the pulse of everyone around them. Um, and that's, that's been a lot of fun, actually. I <laughs> will yeah. say. You know, if there's been one joy of canvassing in mainly cold weather, it's meeting those kind of special captains in a certain area, a certain neighborhood, that really care. They really care. They're up to date. They're well-read. They know the issues. Um, and they, they're glad to see you. But then you do kill about it, you know, a yeah. 45 minutes to an hour. It's so interesting so you so say down.
0: that, yeah, because there's one neighbor. I won't embarrass him by saying his name because he likes to kind of stay behind the oh, scenes, man. but... Mostly what he had done before in the neighborhood was run a, um, a um, block party every summer. Mm-hmm. That was all I knew him for. But then when we started having issues with sewer backups, then he knew everyone and he was able to help equip people to be able to effectively lobby council. And then at our next block party, he gave an update. He had, like, the plan printed out. And he was like, hey, just so you know, here, here's what happened. Here's where we're going. Yeah. Invited the council. Invited Jeff Crable there to talk. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he's definitely, like, a captain. So I've said to him before, like, hey, man, you should really run for council. He's like, are you talking about? No way. Like, that, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Like, all right, well just keep doing what you're doing, what man. What
2: idiot would do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> just exactly, kidding. Just
1: kidding. That's funny. Yeah. So, and yeah. I know who you mean. I know. <laughs> you know that guy. I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. And I know his friend, who's also in Eastgate. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I got a, another uh, question for you. When you look at the council members, is there someone who's on there currently who you look up to? Like you would like to be a council member like them? You would? Uh, you think your style on there is going to be similar to them?
1: Wow, that's a cool question. That's a really cool question. Or
0: you can pick different pieces of yeah. things you've seen.
1: I, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, Molly Ward, Jeff Crable. I mean, Je- Jeff does more homework, I think, than anybody. He does. Like, he's kind of he does the homework that you guys do for planning commission. You know, like, he, he's he's thinking about these issues. He comes prepared every single time. His comments are always. I don't always agree, you know, or 100% agree, but yeah, look up to the amount of work he's put in. Um, and he's in meeting with him. He said that he's like, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of reading. It's a lot of looking up stuff. You got to you got to ask a lot of questions. So Jeff and Molly and um, well, obviously all uh, the person Emmick, who's a neighbor, a friend, and who um, encouraged me to run and endorsed me right away. So those would be the three right off the top of my head. But there's not anyone that I mean, when you go to a city council meeting, you you kind of you're kind of in awe of all of them in a way that they are putting their name out there. It's a very vulnerable place to be. Um, You you know, you're going to make some people unhappy uh, every meeting. And that's not always easy to do. Um, Especially for most of us who I think, well, we might disagree on topic to topic or issue to issue. We're all doing this to make the city better. Um, And yeah. So, but those are three, those are three that I have a a city council crush on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What, what, What's been the hardest part since you started running for office? Um,
1: and what do you foresee the hardest part being when you get into office? The hardest thing, uh, well, well there's, there's a lot of hard <laughs> you You know, there's a lot of hard things. Even putting my last name in somebody's front yard is actually still hard for me. Is it cuz it's so long? It's so, there's <laughs> 11 <laughs> letters of teutonic goodness. It, it, right it. takes yeah.
0: forever. Yeah. to spray paint that.
1: Yeah. Uh, you should get <laughs>
0: signs instead of spray painting on people's right. yard.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, <laughs> I'm so I'm such a kind of neighborhood guy that like having my name in your front yard. I mean, I've met people, blue collar, white collar, it doesn't really matter, but I know they're, they're they're scrimping and saving and making their expenses in a way to afford these houses and put love into these houses to put my my name in your yard is just kind of a weird um, thing. So it's kind of hard. Every time I see one of my signs, I'm kind of like, eh. there's There's part of me that's happy because I, I love support and I actually love the colors the home and away Celtics, 84 Celtics. I love that. Um, but the other thing is like, it's my name. It's my name in your yard. It's just kind of weird. Um, the other thing is just, um, one of the hardest things is um, the, the, the constant um the, the calendar is harder than anyone could ever have really prepared you for it. and and they say that they say well you don't know until you run and they, because they, they try to they try to prepare you embrace you and let you know but until you're getting an email from one union and a, an email from the firefighters then another you know another invite to speak at a one part of the neighborhood and so you start filling up your calendar really quick and um yeah, just trying to stay afloat with yeah. all of it. And you know, i got two. I got a daughter who's 12, a son who's 10, and I'm very active in their endeavors, and they're very busy. So just feeling like I'm there for everybody 100% instead of dialing it in or phoning it in or giving a B-plus effort instead of an A effort, yeah. um, that's the hardest part. It's a lot. It's, yeah, it's a lot. Right. So what do you think about, if you get elected, what's going to be the hardest part there as well? Well, I've already... Because per- in the campaign, you have a finish line at least. you got a little over a month, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. 37 days, yeah. I think, was at last count. Not that I'm counting down <laughs> with red crosses on my calendar. then. But um, Yeah, so as you guys know, our packets for planning commission are sometimes pretty long. Um, I think city council are even longer, and they have uh, more high-vis issues than we do. Um, but I've already prepared boards I'm on um, to let them know I'll be rolling off. I'm trying to free up as much time as possible um, and still get to do the cool stuff with my kids. So, Yeah. It's, we'll see, right? We'll see. we all we'll we'll see. see. <laughs> yeah. I do think that the city council, um, just based on its current makeup, um, needs a more diverse demographic right to ha just because John Dannenberger has two kids and one's headed to you know one's at b j one's at Oakland, and they're very busy and they're they play every they seem to play every instrument or and play every sport that is offered to them uh, they can't say no to things um, I think a person like that, whether it's John Dannenberger or John Doe it doesn't matter, should be on the board. we need a family guy on the board we need uh, we need a 28-year-old, I think, on the board. Uh, we need to like, make sure that we're representative of the scope of people that are, we want to move here. It's hard, uh, in my eyes, to have uh, people that are either their last stages of their career or retired making decisions for 26-year-old uh, talented engineers coming here for Rivian. I
2: have an idea to make that easier.
1: We need to pay them more. You should write an editorial. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Right? <laughs> We're talking about this.
2: Yeah. We need to pay council members. Because the only people you're going to get um, are going to be people that can either afford to basically do a, a glorified volunteer job, which is what you're signing up to do. Right. I mean, you get paid, but
1: you're going to come gas. out negative,
2: I promise. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and the same is true for the mayor. Or you're going to get people that are retired, right? Sure. And so if you want a more diverse board, you've got to be able to, to pay them.
1: Right. Uh, yeah, I, I never really thought about the pay issue because, uh, I, I mean, I... I agree with you, but I also see how much money is going to these other projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I certainly don't mind doing this for free. Sure. Um, so it, you know it's not a, it's not really about the money but you're probably right like to get someone in their mid 20s or early 30s or to be able to do this and oh by the way take on their first mortgage or you know mm-hmm. move their family or start a family yeah you, it's it's maybe impossible yeah. and right. just
2: and just compare the salaries of of those employment with any similar
1: sized community and it's laughable. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, thank you for being willing to do that. I always want to make sure um, to emphasize that regardless of whether you agree or disagree with somebody, the fact that they're willing to put themselves out there to be a candidate and spend their time in that way for, like we just said, basically free. Uh, it's, it's to be respected. So thank you for doing that. If people want to hear more about what's going on with your campaign or help you out or anything, where what would be good ways to get in touch?
1: Sure, we're all over the place. We have... Um uh, website uh, Dannenbergerward4.com we have a Facebook page uh, as well under the same name I think our John Wyatt Dannenberger 4 Livington Ward 4 um, uh, yeah and uh, there's several email addresses attached to that and anyone's invited also just to use my regular one Dannenberger at gmail okay pretty easy at, also, I'm the loudest person still on White Place. So, if they come down White Place or if they're at K Grove, they'll probably uh, hear you. They, they can come by. I'll be probably in the Midway screaming at a kid or trying to get a kid off uh, off the asphalt somewhere off their bike or something. So, um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a neighborhood guy. I'm always out and about, um, often at uh, K Grove, just meet with a neighbor yeah. as well. So, any of, those, any of those options.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for dropping by, John. You know, thanks for having me. You.
1: Thanks for having me, guys.